I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> In this episode, David and I debrief what it was like to attend the Young Leaders Organizing Institute of Eye to Eye. Just threw a bunch of words at you. What is Eye to Eye? It's a national organization whose mission is to improve the educational experience and outcomes of neurodiverse young people while engaging them and their allies in the movement for a more equitable and inclusive society. And the OI is where essentially they bring together all the young leaders, all the student leaders from all their programs and they connect, they learn, they train, they get into it. Check out the show notes for all the good links you maybe remember David mentioning this organization on and off. It is a deep part of his origin story. This is the first in what we're so excited to share, a big series of incredible um, recordings that all kind of connect somehow to this conference and our experience with neurodivergent culture. So excited to share this episode with you and stay tuned for more. And of course, before we go there, uh, we'll, we'll hit up some super fun tangents. You know, you know, that's how we roll. That's how we roll. We gotta, we gotta be under sometimes. So I, full disclosure, I uh-huh. have, I have been on my Adderall now, my extended release Adderall for like a month or two. And it's like <laughs> noticeable. And then my um, prescriber, because I would kind of like crash at the end of the day and I felt like I was really like, like the two times I most needed are mornings and then like bedtime, (laughs) essentially, where there's lots of moving parts and transitions and pick up or like pick up from school on, you know, but I'm like, but I also like do benefit from it at work. I benefit from it everywhere. It's pretty obvious now that I've been on it a while, how much I benefit from it. So I just started taking an um, the extended release, and then I do a second, like immediate release dose, like midday. A booster. A booster, and it's so mm-hmm. cool. And I totally forgot it today, and um, <laughs> oh. just because like life happened, right? Because we're adjusting to mm-hmm. um, our kid being in kindergarten, and pickups are different timing of everything is different but our other kid is not starting their school yet it's a whole thing it's like this really it feels like the puberty of our schedule time right now this is puberty we're going through schedule puberty and i just want the discomfort to to be done with and i want the beautiful butterfly of us on the other side of knowing our schedule <laughs> to be done but that would happen till the end of mo- the month but anyway i say all this to say I realized two things. One is that I am extremely sensitive to textures. 
that I didn't even realize that on Adderall, I was like not noticing clothing or like sen- like like sensations as much. Does that make any sense at all? Am I crazy? No. It's real. Like as soon like this whole afternoon, I mean, it was so itchy. I just wanted, but I wanted to like, like I've never felt so uncomfortable. It was like the sensation just felt amplified. It's almost as if you didn't have those, like, um, an accommodation to avoid distraction. And you were noticing how many physical distractions you were just kind of pushing through. <gasps> which is like a total narrative for, for the ADHD population. Okay, cool. Because, like, 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 100%. Okay, yeah. okay. Because, like, I mean, I'm feeling it even now, right? Like, you see me and I'm, like, itching and I'm uncomfortable and I just want this temperature. And it's, like, I can't. I'm so distracted by my physical sensations. I'm not used to this feeling. It, oh, it's so real. Like, and, and it, and I think there have to be like the right variables to bring that out. Like, like it was just a few weeks ago. It was like ridiculously hot and stupid humid. I mean, like 87% humidity. No. Like where, the moment where like the real feel is like 20 degrees above like where it actually is. Mm-hmm. I like went into like kicked open the door of my house and I was just, you know, just I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not wearing a shirt and I'm not wearing pants. And like, I, I went to the bedroom and came back with like, you know, basketball shorts, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing I was not going to change for the life of me that day. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't want to sit on certain fabrics, yes, like certain, like because it was like it was like it's breathing on me. I don't want something that's going to breathe back, like, and I don't want to feel like I have to peel myself off it when I finish. Why can't something just have an agreement to be there and hold me? And I hold it. We leave each other the same as we found each other. Yes. Why why can't there be a leave no trace policy with my thighs? Like, and my lower back as I sit in this chair. I'm just, I'm just sitting on your chair. Why do you gotta like snap my layer of skin off? No. Uh. And then, and then there was those others, like the other chairs that like whisper inappropriate things to everyone else. And what I mean by that is. (laughs) You sit down on the chair, you get up, and your butt is in that chair. Like, the, all the fibers are going in the one direction. Your butt was in it. And you would see my butt. And it's like, I, I, like I'm used to, like, now I get up and, like, wipe wipe the seat as I get up. Like, like you know, I'm shaking the extra sketch Like, ah, no one's looking at my bum. But, like, oh. No, couch. You can't, you, can't, you can't fool me again. You can't fool me twice, couch. <laughs> not, not twice. Or three, maybe twice. Okay. But wait, but as well, I do, I gotta, I gotta ask you, like, cause we're talking about textures, we're talking about medicine and like, this is like, this is an important part of my week and in our lives is that like, we get to sit down and like talk about this, but like, for a while we've been talking about going out, seeing what the culture looks like in different places, mm-hmm. what the culture feels like in different, different ways. Mm-hmm. And by culture, by the way, just, you mean like neurodivergent culture, culture. Oh yeah. 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 Like everything we talk about on something shiny is neurodivergent culture. If you think about it, mm-hmm. it's it's things that like we're all going to be like, oh my god, yes. Like I don't want to hear one person say like, you know, you won't be able to take a spell chucker with you, or like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like all those little things that make us all groan, mm-hmm. or like five more minutes groan. Like all these cultural little parts, and we went to go see this program eye to eye. They have this thing called the Organizing Institute that they have once a year. And this organizing institute they use to train their mentors that are going to go out and work with kids throughout the year, right? Mm -hmm. But they set up this program 
for these mentors with all the accommodations you could need mm -hmm. and no corrective behavior. And so like you and I went to this conference. I've been a number of times before, right? Yes. But yes. What was it like for you to come to the Oh my gosh. Okay. So first off, just to like elaborate a little more, because I'm imagining like even just to help Mermai myself. So like the part we, or at least I was able to be connected to was the part that then invited former mentors and like allies and like everyone kind of connected to like the, the uh, mission of the organization, right? Like coming in and like, um, like getting even extra training on top of like the mentors and stuff, right. That were doing it. And I mean, it was just like the weirdest thing. First off, my first, like literally this was the first thing walking and it was held in the beautiful, beautiful university of Denver campus. It was so gorgeous, but it was just in like this one huge building, but walking in, there was a giant sign with arrows saying where to go. And then you walk in and there's another sign with arrows saying where to go. And then you take like two more steps and there's another sign with arrows telling you where to go. And like at every possible moment where you would like glance in some different direction, you would find more data about where you need to go. And David, this was, and I mean, I walked in, I think the first thing I said is, this is the first time I've ever been to a conference and found my way where I'm supposed to go the first yes. time. What? Like, I've never, like, it just made me realize I've been to so many conferences and I never go where I'm supposed to. I continually get lost. I'm always late. Like, it's so confusing to me. I'm always like, why do they put the print on the doors in these tiny letters? Like, I don't know where anything is. Um, so first off, that was huge. <laughs> it's just not like someone thought yeah. of it, right? Um, and then, you know, you walk in a room and I don't know how to explain it. It just kind of felt like everyone was already, maybe not like close family that you know a lot, but like everyone kind of already felt like they were like just like a friend in waiting or like like extended family, like cousins I didn't know I had kind of vibe. It just sort of felt like that. Like I was just talking like in line. People are making like, I, I, it was just delightful. It was delightful. And it was so moving and emotional and like everything. But anyway, that's just like some first impression, delight. And then of course, just overjoyed and over the moon to see you and Robin. And then also just also the food. Oh, they had, they had ample food and snacks, the snacks, everybody. I cannot get over. I want to live that snack life all the time. Why don't I live that snack life all the time? Every single room, so many snacks, sweet and savory varieties, varieties of drinks and Gatorade, like everywhere, everywhere you went, there was water. There was like, it's just, it was delightful. It was delightful. It, it was a moment. And I think one of the things about being in a place like this is your nervous system feels different. Mm. because there are very different dances happening for instance i'm used to needing to find my room i get there kind of early i'm never sure if i'm going to find it i'm walking kind of quick because i want to make sure i get to the right place and get there in time and then when i get to the room i gotta you know calm down i gotta breathe i gotta stop sweating I gotta let my heart rate slow down like i gotta gotta feel better because i just rat, like rushed to find this right room versus this experience here where we just walked the place we need to be yes we know where we need to be exactly we, 
didn't have to get anxious of where am I going to go. There was no nervous system spiking to try to get us there. Mm-hmm. And it's this place where we see not only like there are accommodations everywhere. This organization, I, I does a great job with accommodations and teaching kids to advocate. So we get to see both of it. And I think, I don't know if you notice it, but like there was no shame around this group of people to pick up a fidget spinner mm-hmm. or fold there are some fidget spinners in a everywhere. <gasps> oh. Draw or doodle or make a friendship bracelet in the middle of a conversation. Like this was, these were accommodations that were built everywhere. People didn't have to sit in nothingness, mm-hmm. which I thought was just great. Yes. No, that's exactly right. It's like the way you described it, that is the feeling. It's like the reason it mattered is that all the things that normally would be the thing I'm actually managing through with a ton of anxiety in my end or um, mm. like, like, like almost like forcing myself to not think about like legit. I think that's why I pointed those things out. Right. Because you're so right. My heart rate usually at a conference is extremely elevated. I am super anxious. I am absolutely like ahead of time and then still somehow running late, you know, like I'm getting into the room and I'm sitting down and it's like halfway through the lecture or the presentation that my body is like relatively calm. But as soon as I'm in the room, all I want is a snack. And the whole time I'm like, can I get the, you know, the, (laughs) can I get the bar, you know, the like energy bar out of my bag? No, it's going to make noise. I can't make noise. I can't make noise. I can't make noise. And then that's just going through my head for like the first 15 minutes. And then I'm like desperately like opening the tiny, teeny little notebook they give you. And I'm like, I, I don't think I can draw, but I really want to. Like, like the whole thing is just constant hypervigilance around how I am presenting. I think it's like constant masking. And you're so yeah, right. Yeah. This was like instant unmasking because I immediately felt like I didn't have to stop and, and anxious be, get anxious about asking someone about where to go. I felt like someone was like, you got this. And I'm like, yeah, I do got this. Thanks for all the extra giant lettered signs <laughs> and big arrows. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, like with the snacks, it was it was almost like permission is what it felt like with the fidgets everywhere. And then the and there were clean Xboxes everywhere, too, because, gosh, that always happens to me. I always need to blow my nose or cough or whatever. Like mm-hmm. all the like body needs that like would constantly be on my my mind is like, oh, I can't like reveal them. It was just. It just was permission, just seeing it there, you know, like just seeing it out. And like, and side note, all the snacks, the thing I didn't say, all the snacks were in crinkly packaging. Did you notice this? And I loved it. And I was like, this is permission. This is also not like the thing you often see at a conference where it's like, take this muffin, this crumbly muffin and just like silently choke it down. It's, it's, yeah, well, I think it's incredible when the task isn't being quiet exactly when the task is participation yes that is encouraged by the organization like that's an incredible thing to feel and that difference is just so amazing Mm -hmm. um it makes me like in this very distilled way like think about culture yeah like the culture that we really have that that is a part of being neurodivergent Mm -hmm. and that like any person getting an accommodation in a school, any person having to talk to like, excuse why they're late. Any person like not wanting to spell in front of other people, like people that like, don't want to play Scrabble. Like I heart you. Like I get it. Like this is, (laughs) this is a cultural piece. And I think when we can see these feelings as part of our culture, Mm -hmm. not part of our deficiencies, all of a sudden we can feel the difference when they're attended to. 
Yeah. Like we can feel like we belong in a place or it feels safer all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And not that we need to have safe spaces everywhere because that's impossible. But oh my God, all of a sudden not having to fight for every moment to pay attention gives me a lot more energy in a lot of other places. Exactly. Yes. You know, okay. So my feeling about it was I have, I I guess because it felt like it was like so much was thought of and taken care of, like on that front, right? On that kind of like both sensory and like, I don't know like the words for it, but it just felt like exactly what you're saying. Like I'd like, it it was really, the thing I want to name is for me, it was an exceptional and I got so emotional and I still will get emotional as I think about it. It was such an exceptional experience. Like I genuinely have never felt anything like it. Like I really haven't. And the places where I have felt it have been places where I have been authorized or maybe even tasked with creating the environment. So like, it's not that I like deprive myself of those things when I have authority or ability to do that. Like, I think about all the therapy offices I've ever been a part of or had a chance to like, you know, make a playroom for or, you know, decorate my own office. Like, that is what my office would feel like, you know, like I would have snacks always out. I would have or in places it was against policy, I'd, I'd find a way, you know, like I'd always have tea. Like, like there's just like a constant way that I think. It's something that I, I think, I guess that the weird feeling for me, and I imagine this is not dissimilar to, I don't know, see, like I'm a child of immigrants and I sometimes feel this, this is like a weird comparison, but I feel this way sometimes when I go visit Poland, where my parents are from, but it's also not where I grew up. It's where all my other family grew up. But the feeling I get when I go there is this, this like, it's this odd familiarity and I don't yeah. have to explain certain things or I feel just a certain sense of ease that I don't know I'm missing when I'm not in that vibe, right? Because I was raised primarily around other Polish immigrant families, right? So like that that just does something about that feels a lot like home. And then also just hearing that language spoken, you know, like there's a lot to it, but it just, it, that's like sort of what it felt like. But like, again, I only go there every couple of years, if not every, you know, half a decade. Right. So like, it's also something I've gotten so used to at having to like hold within myself and never really share. And I think yeah. that's the thing that like makes me so emotional is I don't know that I've ever had that feeling synced up to a room of other people having the feeling at the same time. Right. Does that make sense? Like I'd visit my family and I'd be like, well, I'm the one having that feeling, but they're all living here. Like they don't get, you know, they don't feel it. But like this was me in a room where I'm simultaneously like resonating off of all the other humans also going, I think I just found like my home planet a little bit. (laughs) And then like it was, I just, I just felt move. I would just, I don't remember a time literally since like maybe the early postpartum days where I was so like the tears, even as I say it, are just like lit, like my body just felt so big. Like it felt all the feels. It felt like it felt warm and fuzzy and sad and mad and like all the feelings that come, I think, from being like, where has this been? Yeah. <laughs> like it's all of it, right? It's like, where has this been? I needed this. And then on the other hand, it's like, I'm so happy it's here. And on the other hand, oh no, it's gonna be over soon. And like, <gasps> you know, like all of it. It was just huge. It was a really that that surprised me. 
I don't know that I expected that at all, but I've talked a lot. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's it's this part around, I mean, if I get really technical, I think this is the part around intersectionality. Mm. I think this is a part of knowing all of a sudden you're part of a group. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. You're part of a group that this world wasn't built for. Mm-hmm. And we have to do it our way. Mm-hmm. And when you see hundreds of other people doing it a little bit differently and not asking permission and not getting in trouble. Exactly. Not, not making problems. Like they're not, like it wasn't like everyone go to go draw a tree in the corner and one person's like playing with fingerprints, like just making smiley faces. No, like people were doing the trees. They were, people were attending to the task with like incredible detail. Mm-hmm. And it was it was an honor to watch these young adults like forge a world that a lot of people are going to live in. Yeah. Oh, I miss it. Does this happen to you? Like Like what? Okay. So like, okay. So now can I flip the question to you, David, like having done this so many times, like what was like, like, what was your vibe at? Like, do you remember what it felt like the first time you felt it? And then like, what do you feel? What happens to you after you leave too? Cause that feels like a whole thing. (laughs) this is so hard this is so hard i think i can answer so many parts of it i think the first time i went was you know oh my gosh 15 16 17 years ago i mean a while back i mean a few years back you know like but it was a while ago and um it was the first time in my life someone had made my learning like my learning style feel valuable. Uh, and, and I was in a grad school class and I was like, and I'm, I'm being the um, you know, bombastic ADHD dude. And like, wait, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure I talked about ADHD or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after class, one of my classmates was like, Hey, Hey, you know, the, the, the like the hurried whisper. And I was like, yeah. And like, you, you were talking about like ADHD and stuff. Do you have any, any interest in like starting a program around here that works with like, high schools or like college students with learning disabilities. They match them up with middle school students with learning disabilities and they do art projects together and like feel good. And I was like, this exists. I'd love to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And she goes, Oh, you're just going to have to talk to this guy, David Flink. Like he'll give you an interview. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I got an interview. And then like, I'm doing my whole, like, I'm going to kill this interview. What do I do? How do I get ready for this interview? All right. I'm going to talk about like all these things that I studied or what I'm going to do. The interview, I won't go through it like verbatim mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. because that's a private, really important moment that I got with David Flink and it was important people. But it was very quickly when I learned speaking about my learning differences, my neurodivergence, that that's what he was interested in and not in an exploitive way. Yeah. And I've been used to that. Like, oh, you, you know, you got a learning difference over there. Come over here. We're going to help you, like, uh, with quotients. And I don't know. I don't know why my voice went like, like <laughs> You know what you sounded? It, you sounded like a stage manager from, like, Newsies or something. Like, we're going to exploit the kids and make them do an act for the, yeah, I don't know. We're going to make them do things. Yes. <laughs> you know, but, like, and, but it felt, it felt really holding. And it was this conversation where it's like, well, I'd love to have you be a mentor. And we, we have this thing. We, Come on out to Brown University and we'll put you through this training. We'll teach you how to be a mentor. And I was like, sounds great. Mm-hmm. And fast forward life to the summer 
in between, you know, one grad year to the next grad year when I'm, when I'm going to this OI, I land, there's like 27 people at, at this time sitting like crisscross applesauce, like in a, in a, like a half moon circle around an easel. And David and Marcus are standing in front of the easel with markers, like dream boarding stuff. And we're just shouting out ideas and they're trying to write the ideas on the board. And while this is happening, Grady, if you hear this, please know I miss your face and you've helped my life. Thank you, Grady. Grady is sitting there with this little racquetball and he's bouncing it. Like he's like, he's got this like, there's this like rhythm to like the way he's hitting it. Like, and I just remember going like, man, man, he's got, he's bouncing a ball. And I remember thinking like, you're not supposed to bounce a ball. He's going to get in trouble. And then I looked around and like, no one cared. And, I was like, and then all of a sudden I was like, I want to bounce a ball. And then I was like, hey, Grady, do you have another ball? And he went, no, but here, and passed it right to me. And I went, oh, back to him. And then we're playing catch with this racquetball. And then we're playing catch, like bounce it off the wall to the other person, bounce it off the wall to the other person, then back to each other. And then how many how many bounces can you have before it hits the other person without it going flat? How, like how little bounces can you get? So the whole time we're like we're in this presentation, we are playing with these racquetballs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At the same time we're playing with these racquetballs, obviously distracted, mm -hmm. Marcus is trying to write the word benign on on the easel mm -hmm. and stops and goes, does anyone know how to spell benign? <laughs> and that's that question, right? When someone goes, does anyone know how to spell? Like I have learned to become as small as humanly possible in that moment because I don't want to be the one that says like, no, I don't know how to spell it. We need to find someone else. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's the answer in permanent, right? Like I don't know how to spell that thing. Well, he's like, does anyone know how to spell benign? And the room was like crickets, people blinking. And they're like, no. And everyone's like, no, I don't know how to spell benign. And he went, well, all right then. And like just wrote the letter B and the number nine. And we kept going. <laughs> That's so and there, and amazing. Just, I'm like, this makes sense to me. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. And and then it hits me. He's asking a question. Brady's involved. Brady's answering. Like, I don't know how to spell benign. Like, I'm answering. It's not that we're not paying attention because we're bouncing the ball. All of a sudden. I didn't feel like I was in trouble or trying to hide. Yeah. In a classroom setting for the first time. Oh, yeah. Like no matter, even though I was on task in school, I would be like, there's something that I'm unaware of that I should have been doing that someone's going to call my attention to. Exactly. I'm just about to be caught. I'm about to be yep. caught doing the thing I'm not supposed to be doing. I didn't even know Man. I wasn't supposed to be doing. So... So in this OI, I learned so much, so much, and I took so much from that experience and poured it into the counseling setting that I was doing, being a therapist, because I thought they were, Marcus and David were like 10 years ahead of the movement, mm. like when I first met them. They are still 10 years ahead of the movement in terms of what they're actually doing. Yeah. And they're, they, they would deny that. They're like, no, and we listen to the kids, and the kids help direct us, and the young adults help direct us, and they're right, and they do. Mm -hmm. But they are, mm -hmm. right? And so fast forward, I get super involved. I, I start traveling around, you know, giving talks about ADHD and how to come together and neurodivergence and all this stuff. And then a short while ago, one of the closest people in my life, my brother, died. And his death was nothing short of horrific. Mm -hmm. and, and it required a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. 
And so the moment I found out he was dying, I called up. I remember talking with like Jennifer Kane uh, shortly after this, but like I remember talking with people saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. And he got that. No. Yeah. I saw myself wanting to visit my brother every, you know, a couple of weeks, every three weeks. And like, that was going to take my whole time and everything was going to go towards that. And, and if they ever needed me, I didn't want to be, you know, in Brown or Denver or San Francisco or Reno. I, I just wanted to be around home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when he was sick and when I call everyone, I actually thought I would never get to see anyone ever again. And so oh. this trip out with you, um, it just reminded me what I know to be true about people that they're, it's important to have hope in people and people will surprise you. And, um, here I, you know, here I go from, you know, starting with 27 people, like sitting around mm-hmm. half circles that now there's audiobooks being sent out to workshop tables that have like fidget spinners and like iPhones that they're communicating to like the app so they can all share questions, but no one has to raise their hand. Like, like the levels of things that they were doing and how sophisticated they are now, mm-hmm. not saying they weren't sophisticated back then, but like where they are now, it's, it kind of feels like that day where like you leave your small town and like, bye everyone. I'll see you in like, you know, a few years. And then like, I go, you know, like have a real scoop of ice cream in a big city. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to tell everyone. And like, I go back home and like everyone's grown up and home has spaceships now. And like, <laughs> like it's amazing. And so the coming back and being amazed by how incredible they are, like how incredible their mentors are right now, how incredible their alumni is, like their resources, the keynote speaker, uh, like uh, Julie, we're, yeah, no spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler like, yeah, alert. Okay, yeah, anyway, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, it, but it was such an incredible experience. Yeah. And for me, I knew you hadn't seen anything like this before. <laughs> it's pretty obvious, I think. <laughs> no, well, no one has, right? Yeah, no like, one no has. Yeah, like, like we're, we're... And I just, there's this look that I've seen so many people have in, like, the so many times that I've been to the OI. And the only way I can, like, I can't make this face authentically, so I'm not going to try to make it. I'll just say the things. It's like you saw a dragon for the first time Mm -hmm. it was nice Mm -hmm. it shrunk to the size of a pea and went into your heart oh that is totally what it is (laughs) it's a happy it's it's a happy pea heart dragon (laughs) there's there's a shock bit of like this can't be real life Mm -hmm. very much so very much so like walk just walking around going what is this for real? Thank you so much for listening. If you ever had that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.